both Hong Kong, Disney, and Universal Orlando experience severe whiplash, and we finally get a trickle of information out of Disneyland. That and more, all on today's Park Hop. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James and continuing to join us live from the Hall Cave, where he's been bouncing off the walls ever since he heard that Shia LaBeouf wants in on the next Indiana Jones movie, the man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall. Yub nub. Each week we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news, happenings, and burning topics from the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Before launching into things, we always like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company. As always, though, his opinions are fully his own. Henry Hall, how excited are you for this newly announced Nick Fury series for Disney Plus? Uh, I don't know. It, it kind of like a, a, I'm very interested in where they go with it. Uh, because it's, I mean, they haven't done a Nick Fury uh, comic for a while, and the way they've done move the character in the comics is is interesting. Uh, I doubt they'll use it in. Uh, you never know they they would use it in the the Nick Fury series, but uh, although it would kind of tie into what was going on with. Uh, well, I mean, they could use like what happened in uh, the Captain Marvel movie because he went off into space. So um, that could be interesting for uh, uh, for a TV series. I, I really want to see. Yeah. I want to. I really want to see Marvel get into more into the space uh, Marvel universe stuff because. Uh, I really want to see a silver surfer, but <laughs> a proper silver surfer. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff in in the space stuff, and they keep kind of like just you know, other than Guardians of the Galaxy, they kind of. I was going to say that that it. movie did okay. That no. Guardians, that Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, that you know, it made a couple bucks. Oh yeah, well, I'm I'm just saying is that they need to get into more into it, like. Uh, like they kind of keep feeling around certain characters, but they never really like, it's just that main group uh, of the guardians, but the guardian, the thing about the guardians of the galaxy comic book is that they interact with a lot of yeah, the, no spoilers, man. What are we doing? <laughs> well, I mean, it's in the comic books and it's not really a, a spoiler <laughs> at this point, uh, but it would be interesting if they, there's a lot of interesting stuff if they go the route that the comics went. It's good to see Sam Jackson still doing uh, playing yeah. uh, Nick Fury, which is I think is a boon. So I think reg- regardless of what they uh, what they do, I'm definitely gonna I'm on board. I mean, I don't I don't see how they could recast that character at this point. It's like, what do you do? It's it's a similar kind of question with uh, that they're faced with. Black Panther, you know, it's like, well, what do you do? Like, do you recast? Like, it doesn't, I, I mean, I'd be surprised if they do a recast right now as opposed to just giving the Black Panther mantle to some other 
character like uh you know his his sister or okoye or i don't know you know one of those soldiers or anything like that you know if they they recast like uh that character it seems problematic similar with similar with uh similarly with sam jackson as nick fury it's like what what are you going to do with that role and especially now that they've established that oh no we're not even going to use a different actor we're just go you know for young nick fury we're just going to go through with that de-aging technology to make him look younger it's like oh well now you've really painted yourself into a corner you can't have you know young nick fury played by somebody else i mean i guess you could go really young but i don't know yeah it's interesting seems 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 problematic yeah it's interesting because as far as with the black panther thing is that uh in the comics uh the sister, uh, his sister did take over the mantle of Black Panther for a minute. It was a very short time. But the thing is, is that his sister, as a character in the movie, is just awesome. And I hate to see her move out of that type of character to a more serious character uh into being a a character that needs to take more responsibility that kind of takes away kind of the enjoyment of that character at at this point so uh i'd hate to see that but yeah that's just i don't know what they're gonna do with i I think well supposedly they have a plan on what they're gonna do with it uh with black panther 2 but that was just it's got to be it's going to be so tough to see black panther 2 without chadwick boseman being in that role it's it's just i mean i think it's going to be heartbreaking for me at least um as far as uh, nick fury just the amazing route that that character took for him how he became nick fury is just so awesome and the fact that you know i I think the fact is that he loves the character yeah will the hoff have a cameo in this new series (laughs) i don't know i i doubt it but that would be amazing because he was funny when he made his uh his cameo in the the baywatch movie (laughs) yeah i'm almost thinking like of a uh a rundown style cameo like uh, Arnold had with the rock where, you know, maybe they're like in a hallway and they pass each other and like, and Hasselhoff is like giving him an approving nod and Sam Jackson turns around and is like, what are you looking at, man? And Hoff is just like, that jacket looks good on you or that eye patch looks good on you. Something like that. And then turns around and leaves and that's it. That's the cameo. (laughs) No, I think, I think the cameo would have to be, they, you could do the passing in the hallway, but uh, but Hasselhoff has a eye patch. They both have eye patches. Hasselhoff uh, looks back at Sam Jackson and says, nice eye patch, and just walks off Ooh. about his business. Uh, the only thing that would make that even better is if when they look at each other and he says, nice eye patch, he lifts up the eye patch to show a full, just fully formed eye, he winks at him with that eye, puts the eye patch back down, walks away. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, believe it or not, Henry, a Nick Fury Disney Plus series isn't the only news this week. <laughs> because we also got some big news out of Disneyland, not 
the big news that we were hoping for, unfortunately. It's uh, still a big question, Mark, when exactly this park is going to open. But uh, but we did get confirmation that Disneyland will be using that exact same park reservation process that's currently being used at Walt Disney World. Same idea and that this is their way of limiting capacity at each park each day. So for the time being, they've paused new ticket sales, new annual passport sales, uh, pretty much until, I, I don't know, after this all gets sorted out, until after they start going forward with uh, this reservation process. But for the time being, you can't buy any more tickets. You can't get any more and you can't purchase a new annual passport. I heard uh, from on, on the Disneyland subreddit that uh, people are talking about that if they were month to month pass holders and they had opted to get a refund and then not get extended for the time that the parks were closed, uh, that after their expiration date hit, that their pass was essentially canceled and they didn't have an opportunity to buy a new one. So it sounds like everything is just generally on pause for the time being. Um, this also happened with what, you know, with this also happened at Disney world before a lot of the stuff started rolling out. So it's just really, I think they were maybe concerned that people are going to start hoarding tickets or something like that. But <laughs> regardless, they have a better idea to maybe make things a little bit smoother when things start, uh, start rolling out. But they also announced that again, like we're seeing at Disney world and, and every other Disney park parades, fireworks shows, uh, any of those large uh, events that um, that create some kind of congregation of people, they won't be running when the park eventually does open. Character meet and greets will be replaced with other interactions, probably those character cavalcades that we've seen at Walt Disney World. And and uh, and uh, I guess it's only at Disney World that they're doing that. So Walt Disney World, like what we've seen there. Um, and uh, and then so that. And so that was kind of the core of their it's a very brief announcement, but that was pretty much what they talked about from this. I, I think it's probably pretty safe. We can assume each park will have its own reservation system, which will need to be claimed online and in advance of your arrival day, only one reservation per person per day. So most likely there won't be park hopping again, similarly to what we're seeing at Disney World. Um, single visitors, annual pass holders, and hotel guests will all have their own pool of reservations. And then, I mean, like we're seeing at the other Disney parks, park hours are probably going to be limited, possibly going to be staggered to prevent there being a cluster of people from both parks at opening and closing time. So, so what do you think about all this, Henry? Is this good? Is this bad? Is this, is this expected? I'm pretty sure this was expected. It's expected. Uh, I definitely expected this. Um, I didn't want it <laughs> per se, but uh, I think it's going to be. It's going. It's going to have a bit of a different uh, spin on it, or bit more difficulties. I think here, just because uh, I think what you were dealing with, and we've brought this up many a times, is that uh, the Disneyland and California Adventure is uh, are are more of a locals parks. And uh, so you, you get more locals coming to these parks and uh, a lot of locals have annual passes. So uh, it 
it seems like uh, that's kind of the op- we're going to have the opposite issues as I think uh, what uh, Walt Disney World was having, or at least maybe some some of those same issues, but maybe uh, a bit more. I wouldn't say exaggerated, but uh, to a greater extent. Like I think uh, one of the uh, one of the things that they were complaining about was annual pass holders having like or at least the annual pass holder uh, reservations were all taken. And, uh, and so they were annual pass holders were frustrated that they were taken. And then now you're going to have pretty much uh, you're going to definitely run into that problem at Disneyland because most of the people going are going to probably have annual pass uh, are going to be annual pass holders and their locals. And I think one of those things is that a lot of the locals like to do spur of the minute, like, Hey, let's go to Disneyland. Well, you're not going to be able to do that anymore to a certain extent. I think because of the reservation system, you're going to have to plan things out a bit more. Uh, which I'm sure they're not necessarily used to doing, um, but uh, but it is definitely expected. Uh, hopefully, most of these most of the annual pass holders or locals have been kind of keeping an eye on on this and aren't going to be necessarily blindsided. But I de- I'm sure some people are uh, by this whole system. Yeah, there's no no question that people are going to be blindsided, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, as as an annual pass holder, I get maybe like one out of every 10 emails that they send out. I know I'm not the only one I've seen uh, on, uh, you know, Facebook groups and on subreddit on, on the Disneyland subreddit. I've seen lots of people complaining that they don't get consistently get uh, Disney communication. Mm. So I'm totally sure that that's uh, that's a problem. I mean. I feel like the reservation system maybe can be helped out a little bit because if all they're doing is just balancing how many reservations are available for each tier, you know, again, theoretically, they could potentially just say, well, you know, if, um, if I don't know, Disney World, they're planning around 50% of guest attendance being annual pass holders versus, you know, 25% hotel guests and 25% being single day ticket holders, then they could just balance it that way at Disney World. If if the balance is different at Disneyland, uh, like let's say 70%, you know, annual pass holders and then 15-15, they could theoretically balance it that way. Um, I think that's probably possible. Uh, I also heard, <laughs> and this is like, you know, rumor mill kind of stuff, uh, Reddit doing Reddit, but there were definitely people talking about how they had theorized perhaps that, uh, that, you know, because I guess they had canceled their annual pass. These were Disney world, uh, guests or pass holders, but they had canceled their pass. A bunch of people they knew had canceled their passes. A lot of people on the subreddit and then on the, uh, on the uh, on a couple of the Facebook groups that I follow, there's definitely been quite a few people say, uh, saying that they canceled their Walt Disney World annual pass just because, like you said, they haven't been able to get a lot of consistent reservations for the dates that they want. And so there is this theory floating around, and I mean, it's not super far-fetched, but 
Um, there's this theory that maybe what Disney's looking for is they're actively trying to trim down their annual pass holder numbers because, you know, it's annual pass holders make uh, annual uh, annual passports for Disney makes sense to a certain degree. Um, you know, you assume that people are going to only come X amount of days, but if you have tons of people coming all the time, it's not, it's not necessarily a, uh, a, um, the best proposition for Disney. And so, you know, maybe it might make sense for them to trim down those numbers, especially coming off of a pretty brutal year. They're going into next year. That's going to be pretty brutal. Um, I'm going to assume that they're probably going to have a yearly price hike again. So if people are canceling their passes now, uh, and they renew it in the future, like let's say next year, they'll be renewing it at a higher rate, uh, which just means more profit for Disney at that point. Right. So, I mean, again, like it's pure speculation. It's not totally out there in terms of, uh, the realistic probability of that. Like I could totally see that being a thing. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it might just be a simple case of like, you know, they recognize that there's going to be a high number of cancellations and they're okay with that because they can only hold so many people in the park anyway. Right. And it just means that people, uh, you're going to get a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people that are just going to renew anyway, but at a higher rate. That maybe sounds pretty good to Disney. Yeah. I mean, I think there's going to be issues either way. Um, and, and I think you're right that uh, the the idea of, of annual pass holders, uh, locals having the annual passes is it's something they've been pushing and they, they still want people to buy the annual pass uh, passes, but they don't necessarily want them to come as often as they probably do. Uh, (laughs) which is kind of, uh, kind of against the idea of the annual pass. Uh, but, uh, I don't know. I think they probably want more people like, us having annual passes where we live far enough away that we can come like a couple times generally during a year, but not as often as like a couple times a month <laughs> or, or once a month even. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's kind of one of those things that they, they kind of got what they were asking for, but now they don't necessarily want it. It's not, it doesn't look as good, uh, but still, uh, and I think that's where you're going to find most of the issues coming from using this reservation system is from people with annual pass from the annual pass holders. I think people who don't have annual passes, they have to plan for this generally anyways. So I don't think you'll get much complaints from people who don't have annual passes and are planning a trip to Disneyland because right. they have to plan it anyway. So it's just something they have to factor in, uh, something I would have to factor in, uh, for sure. Yeah, totally. And it's just like what we're seeing at Disney world where, I mean, it makes sense, especially the restrictions are still ongoing in terms of travel. Uh, you know, people aren't flying at the rate that they used to. That's going to build up over time. Certainly. But generally, the primary pool of people that are going to be attending the park is the pool of people that are in your 
direct vicinity, right? <laughs> Your kind of local community. So that's LA, Anaheim, Orange County, that whole area for Disneyland. So, um, so I mean, it, makes sense that like you're probably not going to have a ton of people flooding however many hotels they open up you're probably not going to have a ton of people just buying single day passes so the chance of there being kind of like a wide open availability for single day ticket holders and resort on-site certainly on-site resort stay uh uh guests uh, chances are that's going to be pretty wide open. So, I mean, I, I think the main argument that I've seen, and this makes sense for a lot of people, whether they're local or not, for Disneyland is why would I why would I choose to pay for anything other than a flex pass at this point? Because basically what you've done is you've, you've created a flex pass, but for all tiers, right? <laughs> so if, uh, I mean, and so maybe what they do is they meet, they, less days are available and they create more pools so that there are le there's less availability for flex pass holders and like more availability for like platinum pass holders. But you know, it's like <laughs> if, if that's not the case and just pass holders are just in a general pool, like we've seen at Disney world, uh, again, why would you not pay for, why would you pay for anything other than a, a flex pass? Because that's what you've got. Yeah. You're just paying more for it. Yeah. I think the thing for me, uh, my concern, uh, you know, for this system is that I think uh, from what I can remember is that uh, is that uh, at Walt Disney World, you can only get a max of three days. Uh, yeah. And three reservations at a time. Yeah. So um, that's a concern for me, because if I'm going to travel down there, I want to spend more than three days uh just because yeah it just takes so much for you know driving down there uh and then you have to it just you know getting the whole experience it takes me a while to uh because of the drive and everything and the travel it takes a while for me to really appreciate it and to like settle down into the into it into my vacation. So that's going to be yeah. my concern of it. But I mean, the fact is totally. with this, even if depending on when they open, I may not even be able to have a chance to go anyway. So it may be a moot point. <laughs> yeah. But, and the question is, is it going to be, is it really going to be three days as the max or are they going to go even lower? Because three days is with four parks, right? Mm. Through reservations is, spread out over four parks. Disneyland Resort has two parks. So do they say you could have two reservations because of that? I mean, I can't imagine them saying you could only have one reservation at a time, like they're doing at uh, Shanghai or like they were doing at Hong Kong. But I, I don't know. I mean, it, there's I do see there being a very real possibility that they say you could have two at a time, one for each park. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just thinking about like, all this stuff, like how many reservations. And then I guess it's the same because um, at Walt Disney World, you can only have the three reservations and that's including all the parks. So, you, you know, it's like, why I'm yep. surprised they didn't necessarily split that up is like two for this park and two for that park or whatnot. Um, nope. that's yep. kind of a frustrating thing, especially since they don't allow park hopping, 
Um, there's a there's a lot of questions I guess I still have on my head, uh, just because like uh, it says sounds like that they're going to have the same system as Walt Disney World, but is it is it really going to be the same system, or they're just going to have reserv- require reservations? Because usually they don't have the systems are similar but generally aren't the same per se uh although i think uh was the system that they used for uh rise of the resistance the exact same or were there differences i can't remember uh, different it's a different okay. system so i mean it might be it might be using the same kind of platform that they were using but yeah it's a, it, it, it is a different separate system yeah. So for some reason, I feel like they're going to have reservations, but, and while it may be kind of built on a similar system, I feel like it's going to be different. And now we have to wait and see what those differences actually are. Well, of course. Yeah. That's, of course, the hardest <laughs> part. But what, uh, I mean, what do you think is the, in your mind, like what would be the major difference? I think, uh, I think they may actually split reservations between Disney's California Adventure and Disneyland. Just so you're not necessarily, you may have like reservation because it makes sense to actually split them up. What do you mean by split? Like, uh, like you could only have like, maybe you can only have, like you said, you, they may limit you to only having uh, two reservations per park, but you can have two reservations at California Adventure and two at Disneyland instead of like, oh, you you oh, can I only see. have a max of three reservations, but that's includes all four parks, you know, type thing. Right. So um, I don't know. I, I feel like that would make kind of more sense than having everything because also like uh when you take into consideration that generally Disney's California adventure is less frequented than Disneyland, uh, having like, uh, they, I would see that they would probably want to funnel more people over to California adventure. And maybe that way you can also limit, you can maybe up the limit on California adventure and keep the limit at, uh, Disneyland the same because when you have them together, you you make a change. It affects. It's more difficult to make a change uh, to affect one and not the others. So generally, the change you make is global on the reservation system. Whereas if you split them apart, you can you can adjust it. The 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 accessibility uh, easier for one park and say, maybe not the other. So. And, and they, it's, it's each, each reservation is its own ticket. So it, it is easy, relatively, um, at least when I, uh, when I went and booked reservations for my, uh, ill-fated Disney world trip here. Um, yeah, e- each park is, its, or sorry, I should say each reservation is its own thing. So you can cancel or modify or, change or do whatever you need to do like up until i think day of yeah i mean i'm not so much concerned about that but like say if say they're they're not maybe they're hitting max capacity at at disneyland 
but they're not at California Adventure. So, but, and maybe they're right. having issues with capacity at Disneyland. They could technically lower the number of, of reservations that somebody can have for Disneyland while possibly opening up more reservations that somebody can have for California Adventure, making California Adventure more enticing. They could easily do that if they're separate. But if they make it one global pool right. uh, that you're pulling from that you can have, there's uh, it's harder to make that change. Not saying that you can't make that change. It's just from like a uh, development standpoint, it's it's more difficult to make that change going in to tweak those numbers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I'm not, I, yeah, I don't have visibility in terms of the under the hood kind of stuff in terms of uh, what they have the ability to, to kind of uh, balance those numbers out with. But, you know, I mean, I do look at, again, looking at Disney world Epcot is pretty much a an active construction site right now with a bunch of closed rides and tons and tons of scrim everywhere. So and that there's still that that hasn't changed in terms of you know it it is the same kind of reservation that you would get anywhere and I I'm, I'm sure that each park has its own individualized capacity like I I would have to imagine it's not purely one to one for each park uh, throughout the resort, but they, what they did, I mean, what they, to, to try to address the issue that you're talking about, they set up that food and wine festival, right? So that was all of a sudden something that brought more people in. So I mean, we've talked about this totally could see that happening at California adventure because their own food and wine festival was interrupted, right? Yeah. Basically the closure just split it in half. So you still even have people that have unused sip and saver passes uh, that uh, potentially they could use for that. Uh, but just in general, they could use that kind of event to draw more people in, especially again, if we're talking about locals who, you know, you kind of need to keep mixing things up in order to keep them coming uh, and feeling like there's something new that totally makes sense. It worked. It seems to have worked at Epcot, where it did bring in a lot of locals that maybe normally wouldn't visit Epcot because it is such in a uh, in an influx kind of state. So you know, again, you could totally see something like that happening at California Adventure. I just think that uh, again, looking at Disney World, I you know, I don't see them changing anything too dramatically in terms of how that system works. Like they've definitely tweaked numbers at Disney world just because again, they were expecting more guests from out of town to fly in. And clearly that hasn't happened. And so they've had to balance pretty consistently more and more um, reservations geared towards annual pass holders. But you know, I, I'm so, I think they're going to go in expecting that at Disneyland, but you know, again, using the Epcot example, I don't think that they're, I don't think that California Adventure being the less compelling of, of, of the two parks is going to kind of ease things up for them. At, at least again, they did, didn't, didn't at Disney World. Yeah, I'm just saying, this is, this is me looking at, at the development of an app and making it and trying to future proof it <laughs> because too often I've, 
been involved with the development of an app and they didn't think of some like some potential issue and then afterwards they're like oh it would have been nice if we had this and so we could we had thought of this before so we could tweak this you know this value without having to go in and really go under the hood and make all these big big changes um it's you know i don't know no for sure but i mean for but but in that sense and to your point like they've had like uh, i don't know how many months now like three plus months of uh of like active in the field testing with this system with disney world and i mean i guess you could include other parks into this as well but specifically Disney World, again, assuming that they're using that same kind of system, uh, you know, I guess you never you never count out Disney to mess something like that up. But damn, they've had a ton of opportunity to get this right now. For Di- this is their kind of second iteration, if you will, on the system. So, I mean, we'll yeah, see. I mean, I'm just I'm just saying is that they they're having like the system in uh Walt Disney World and the system at Disneyland it might be the same kind of system but i think this is their opportunity to kind of like try new avenues of of a better system um that is is more tweaked for Disneyland and that area so I don't know. I I think there's ways of working around because I was, as I'm talking about like, well, you can only have three reservations, but technically you can get a reservation day of. So, I mean, but there's just, you don't have a guarantee of getting that reservation day of, I guess. But uh, I think there's a little bit more uh, unease because of that. But uh, I guess there's, there's ways of getting more time in the park still even. So I don't know, you know, I think there's going to be issues. There's always issues. Uh, I just hope they planned for the, the eventuality that the, the parks are different and that, you know, you have different crowds coming in while at, uh, at Disney War at magic kingdom, they're trying to get more, uh, locals into the park or at least or i know universals is trying to get more locals into the park um you're going to get more locals into the park in disneyland so hopefully they have planned for that but i imagine they know their audience uh so they should know their audience I mean, you know, give, gives a little uh, juice to this idea of them trying to cull their numbers for annual pass holders a little bit, you know, because if you right now, if you want to guarantee a specific day uh, at Disney World, your best bet is to just buy a single day ticket. So, like, why would, again, like if you're an annual pass holder whose time is coming up, it would make sense to let that run out, not renew and then you just buy a single ticket, at least while this reservation system is in place, you buy a single day ticket for whichever day you want to go. And then you're in the park, almost guaranteed at this point, because it's wide open. I imagine that's probably going to be the case at Disneyland too. 
They make it so that single day tickets are relatively available and plentiful for people that just want to visit the park for the day. Like why aren't, why wouldn't all of these people that have already canceled their annual passes just put down, you know, uh, enough money for that specific day that they want to go and then just kind of play it by ear until things start lifting a little bit. So, I mean, I think that makes sense. Like if you want to guarantee your entry time, your best bet is to go with a single day ticket. Yeah. It's definitely frustrating sitting here and just speculating, speculating, speculating. But one park where you don't have to speculate on what their reopening is going to be like anymore. Hong Kong Disneyland began welcoming back guests this past week. Uh, So again, we're back at uh, Disneyland for the second time being the only remaining Disney park that's actually closed. So uh, again, like we talked about last week, Hong Kong will only be open five days out of the week um, during, I guess there's a, there's an unspecified initial reopening period. So, uh, so I think it's like Tuesdays and Thursdays that they'll be closed, but anyway, five days out of the week. And then we have that castle of magical dreams, that refurb of the, uh, the castle that is almost done. It's on full display for the guests to check out. Is this something you're into, Henry? Like, what is this? Is this? Are you finding this castle appealing? Eh, I mean, the castles are are nice to look at, nice to take pictures of, but uh, exploring them, you kind of go through once and and you're kind of done. Uh, at least for for me and my wife, the Sleeping Beauty's castle is always. Uh, uh, something we have to explore at least once or twice because Sleeping Beauty is is my wife's favorite princess. So, uh, but out, sure. But outside of that, you know, I'm not super into it. Other than it's good for pictures, you know. So yeah. So, but visually, you're kind of neither here nor there for this new update. Yep. <laughs> I'm definitely not a fan of this new look. I mean. You know, I'll I'll hold full uh full kind of uh I'll wait until I've had a chance to actually see it in person to to make my final uh kind of assessment on this. But just from the look out of it, man, it's uh it is super busy. I know that their concept is to try to incorporate it used to be the classic Sleeping Beauty Castle from Disneyland, and basically what they've done in refurbishing it is they've left that original castle there and they've just built all of this various different elements on top of it. And the idea is to look like it's borrowed elements from the various different Disney princesses that you can kind of make out. But, uh, but to me, man, it looks like a jumbled mess. It really looks messy. So, you know, I like kind of how cute and cozy sleeping beauty castle is at Disneyland. Um, you've got kind of that grand majestic look at Disney at, at magic kingdom and then at Tokyo Disneyland as well. And then you've got just that really gorgeous, uh, sleeping beauty castle at Disneyland Paris. That looks just incredible and distinct. Um, and then you've got that, that super weird, what is it? The storybook castle, I think something like that at, uh, at, um, at Shanghai Disneyland that just is like this monster. It looks, it looks huge. Um, 
and uh, and then you've got yeah this castle a magical dream. So it, it I don't know it looks pretty jumbled. We'll see how it uh, we'll see how it turns out once it's done. I guess it's scheduled to open end of the year. So uh, so we'll just have to see. Uh, in not so great news for Hong Kong Disneyland, though, we also found out that the land uh, on that um, in that area that they had bookmarked for Hong Kong Disney's second park, whenever that was going to be built, um, that the purchasing rights will no longer be extended by the local government due to economic conditions, or at least that's the reason that they supplied. Uh, According to a Reuters report on this, quote, the option to buy the land, which is nearby the city's international airport, was agreed 20 years ago and expires on Thursday. This would have been last Thursday. Uh, a Walt Disney Company representative said that the company would continue investing, but was extremely disappointed with the Hong Kong government's decision not to extend the phase two land expansion option. So I guess it's not it's not fully uh a foregone conclusion. I guess there's always the potential that later on, maybe once the finances of the area improve a little bit after uh, after COVID, that maybe they'll they'll engage in those conversations again. But for the time being, man, any thought that that uh, land could be used for Disney is totally off the table. That's a uh, that's a huge bummer, man. <laughs> yeah, I I, th- I I'm not a hundred percent sure of like I guess. I could see if if it was something that uh, they were holding that land for Disney to purchase at some point, holding it for like twenty years. That's <laughs> that's a that's a good amount of time to like, hey, you need to like buy this. And at this point, I imagine the uh, the like holding that, and while they can still get somebody else to like actually buy that land. I, because that land has got to be like super um, premium since it is near the airport. It's a bummer that, uh, you know, that that expansion uh, may not come because we always want more Disney, of course. But like you said, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean never again. It's just there's no guarantee at this point uh but right money talks <laughs> yeah it's basically the hold that they had on that area is no longer uh is no longer there but yeah we got kind of like a little whiff of this uh when covid was first starting to spike over in hong kong um the government had asked disney if they could use that land as kind of like a facility for COVID patients because it is, it's on a little kind of like Island that's a bit out of the way from the, from the, uh, from the big city, the Harbor area in Hong Kong. And, and initially Disney was kind of dragging its feet and uh, eventually it just happened. I don't know if it was Disney eventually warmed up to it or if the government just said, we're just going to do it anyway. It's uh it's, it's our land. So what are you going to do? Um, so, uh, and yeah, so that was kind of like our first little whiff of that land being kind of used for government purposes. Um, I mean, the other kind of thing about it, man, is like, you know, this is uh, this is the challenge of working within the confines of their their kind of structure that they have for a lot of these foreign parks where it's only kind of like partially owned by 
Disney. It's like a majority is owned by the local government. Um, I think Hong Kong's the only except. I'm sorry. I think Tokyo is the only exception where it's fully owned by Oriental Land Company and it's just licensed by Disney. And I think Disney has some level of creative control over it as well. But yeah, it's like it's some weird like 45-55 split at most of these other parks. And so, you know, it just means that Disney doesn't have full control over everything there. Um, and, you know, I mean, the reality too, Hong Kong is one of those parks that's consistently struggling with attendance. They've had major issues turning profits uh, pretty much their entire life span that the uh, that they've been open. So, you know, I mean, there is logic to say, you know, with these expansions that they're currently building, they have that new Frozen Land going up. Uh, you know, they've got the Marvel Land going up. They've got uh, they've got other stuff going up too. There, like Star Wars or something like that. They've got something going on else. So, uh, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of logic there of just like, hey. You know, as great as it is to just kind of squat on that land for, you know, in perpetuity, should you ever decide to use it, you know, there's maybe a little bit of logic of like, get get your books in order first here, and then we can talk about expanding into a whole nother park because at least right now, I'd be very surprised if uh, if they even start those conversations of a second park anytime in the near future because, again, like I said, the park's been struggling. So, yeah, still still a ways to go there. Plus, I mean, not just that the park's been struggling, but with the pandemic and Disney, like, taking uh, such a huge uh, hit because of the pandemic, even if they wanted to expand uh, to a, create another park, uh, that's not going to happen for a good amount of time. So just squatting on that land for another 15 years is is not fair to the to the government either so i mean especially if they actually yeah. need it uh for something so i think yeah, yeah. It, i mean like i said I, I it makes sense to me uh but it is kind of a bummer to think that you know it's not guaranteed anymore but i think at this point in the pandemic, I don't think anything as far as future plans for the parks is 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 uh, so much a guarantee unless it's already the construction's already been going. Yeah. So yeah, it's also I mean Hong Kong is in in such a the the park specifically anyway it's in such a uh, a weird place. I mean Hong Kong is a uh, as a as a as a place has its own struggles going on right now with uh, being reintegrated into China, but you know, it, it it's just in a weird spot in that it's always going to be right now the kind of little sibling to Shanghai, <laughs> that uh, Shanghai Disneyland that, you know, it's just never, it's never going to be able to compete on the same level. So, you know, it, it makes sense that it's having those kind of struggles, but, uh, but yeah, time will tell. We'll see. Ho- ho- hopefully we'll see very good things from these expansions that are happening. People start turning up again. And then they can have those conversations because there, there is still a lot to really enjoy with uh, with Hong Kong Disneyland. So, you know, of course, always hope for for good things. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, we we just have to hope for the the best in the future, but it's definitely something that's going to happen in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Future future facing. 
Uh, and then so bouncing back over to Universal Orlando, have a little bit of an update on the time frame for those two Halloween Horror Nights haunted houses we were talking about last week. Uh, they were initially only announced for a single weekend. However, Universal has now confirmed that they've extended this whole event through November 1st. Weekends only up until October 3rd, then daily for the remaining of the time. So I think this was something you called uh, uh, totally, Henry, that this is no way that they're going to not uh, extend this out. So you you got this one, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it made sense. I mean, this was, I think, you know, and you called it out too, saying like, at least they were like, maybe just trying to see, test the waters. Uh, but I mean, it, it passed the test, <laughs> that test. So there's no way they weren't going to continue on with those uh, Halloween Horror Night uh, houses, haunted houses. Uh, so uh, it it makes sense. Yeah. And then we had some other uh, roller coaster weirdness going on over at uh, Universal Orlando. Um, so over at specifically Islands of Adventure, since early this year, we've slowly started to see this kind of roller uh, roller coaster track being assembled in the Jurassic Park Lagoon area. And so, um, you know, we I guess people were starting to see that it was going to have to do with Velociraptors and Jurassic Park in some sense. So they quickly dubbed it the Velocicoaster. And, uh, and and it's just been something that Universal has been working on, but they haven't really said anything about. So it's been, you know, it's been completely silent on Universal's end. There's been tons of speculation in terms of what this is. I think it's it's one of those like, you know, people assumed correctly it was a it was a Jurassic Park uh, kind of coaster. I think even at some point. Once the tracks had been laid, Universal, you know, put a Jurassic Park logo flag on the top loop so that it was clear it was it was a Jurassic Park. People were seeing like, uh, you know, uh, the animatronic Velociraptors being lowered into the kind of coaster show area. So very clearly uh, this was going to be a Velociraptor themed Jurassic Park coaster. No, no surprise there. But on Friday... We finally did get an announcement from Universal, so uh, and an official announcement, not like not like uh, a quote of a quote of a quote. This was uh, this was specifically in the Jurassic Park area of the Islands of Adventure website. They updated the online description to uh, to say, "quote For those brave enough to visit the Raptor Paddock, you may be able to carefully approach one of the deadly predators, then feel the rush of the hunt as you race through the jungle alongside raptors on the Jurassic World Velocicoaster, a new species of roller coaster coming summer 2021." So of course, people were like, "Yeah, all right." So finally confirmed, and we have a date. Uh, you know, people called out that it was strange that they were referring to this as a Jurassic World Velocicoaster because uh, the, the, everything has remained a Jurassic Park, at least in that area of Islands of Adventure. So maybe there was some speculation that they were going to update it to go with this third movie that's coming out at some point, who knows when. Um, uh, but, you know, still whatever. We've got it. We've got it officially confirmed. We've got a date. That's pretty awesome. So, uh, and then 
because it's 2020 and the universe just can't let us have one nice thing uh, less than 24 hours after going up, uh, that updated description was pretty much completely removed. So uh, the description then just stopped at, for the brave enough to visit the raptor paddock, you may be able to carefully approach one of these deadly predators. And that was it. No mention of Velocicoaster, no mention of Jurassic World, no more mention of summer 2021. So the mystery continues, Henry, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it goes along with 2021. It's just that uh, 2020 that you, we just can't have something nice for <laughs> the, it, it just takes it can't away. Can't get excited about anything. Uh, well, yeah. I think I think they probably said, yeah, we probably don't want to like, you know, put a date on it since everything else seems to be falling through. And then people are going to be upset when they can't write it in that <laughs> time or we have to go back on our word. Let's just make it this and whatnot. So I don't know. I wouldn't see it as Do you a think it was deal. a mistake. Yeah. Well, I think it was more of a of uh we better not commit to this date because we may not be able to uh you know maybe that was the original planned date that it would be open and they quickly came to the determination that yeah we can't make that date so let's like update this or at least <laughs> yeah. take it down until we have a firm confirmation which probably won't be for a while um oh. but uh yeah someone maybe didn't run it through the uh, higher ups first yeah they they jumped the gun or maybe <laughs> maybe they did run it initially through and somebody didn't get the memo that that time changed or what but uh yeah uh for sweet, sweet 24-hour period, man, things were things were looking exciting. So who knows? We'll see if there's going to be an update about that. If summer summer 2021 makes sense, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's who knows when uh, parks are going to be back to normal and they're going to be cranking it full again. And it it probably doesn't make a ton of sense to get people all pumped up for something that either a you're not going to deliver on or b you're still going to be in kind of restriction mode in some way hopefully not but who knows i mean yeah there's just not that clarity so you're probably right what a bummer but uh but finally we did also get word from one other disney property uh on thursday disney announced that olani will be reopening on november 1st uh, so this is, of course, the resort in Hawaii. Uh, they'll be going along with all the other Disney properties that are doing their kind of phased openings. Uh, this will include a bunch of the stuff that we've already seen with some specific local guidelines. They haven't really included a ton of details with this, but uh, you can assume that there's probably a lot of the, you know, uh, sanit sanit uh, sanitization stations around um, social distancing, yada, yada, you know, the drill. Um, and so dude, this, this news got me thinking because, you know, there are these other ancillary Disney properties. You can call them maybe like non-resort or non-park resorts, I guess. 
but you know we've got the we've got the Alani, which is on Oahu. We've got Disney's Hilton Head Island Resort, which is in South Carolina, and then we've got Disney's Vero Beach Resort on the Florida coastline. And it's like I almost forget that these even exist because you know they're not talked about. It's not like they're not the splashy places. I guess Alani kind of is, but. Um, but really, other than them not being located within a park, uh, the other things that they all have in common is a very kind of like Disney light in terms of their theming. Like, you know, you could spot kind of touches here and there that, you know, have like maybe a Disney character or Mickey Mouse ears. But generally, it's like it's a very light touch on the Disney branding. It's kind of like what you would get at a certainly like at a deluxe kind of hotel at on a Disney property where it's like you, the theming is kind of there, but you know, it's, it's, it's more on kind of just the general atmosphere. They don't do anything that's going to take you away from the general kind of theming that they're going for. But anyway, I mean, they all look like nice places, but my question has always been like, why would you go to a place like this? Like, you know, I, I, Olani seems really nice. I'm sure it's beautiful. I'm sure it's gorgeous. I'm sure, I, you know, I, I know it's a Joe Rohde, uh, uh Imagineer kind of project. So certainly tons of detail, a lot of respect for the culture, but man, it is like super expensive. And again, like, because it's not connected to a park or anything like that, it's kind of like the question I've always asked myself anyway, like, why would I spend that chunk of change when I could go somewhere else that's just as nice for probably cheaper, maybe have a little bit more control over my experience even? I don't know if you feel that if you've ever felt the same way about that. Well, I think uh, at least uh, looking at uh, taking Alani into uh, consideration. What I would say the the uh, appeal in that one would be is that the parents want to experience Hawaii, and they have kids with them. Uh, they have kids, and I imagine a Lani Resort or a Disney Resort would have a lot of family oriented or at least kid oriented activities that the parents can can either like spin with their kids or maybe even drop off their kids so that they can experience that. And then the parents can go have maybe some time for themselves. Uh, that I imagine is probably the main appeal. Um, and then kind of the, the thought of uh, a, a Disney resort, of course, is that, you know, usually, you know, they, they take care of a lot of, of, of things for you. So maybe you, you get to the resort, you have less things mm. you have to like go outside and like figure out for yourselves. They probably have something all like easily at your fingertips that you can, uh, take advantage of. Um, plus usually, right. uh, I think also maybe in some regards, safety may be a consideration where usually uh, Disney's on top of keeping their guests safe and 
yeah. know, taking care of things. There's like a certain quality level that maybe you're, you're expecting with the Disney brand. Yeah, you have a, there's a level of expectation and, and, uh, and uh, familiarity with a kind of Disney property uh, resort that makes it a little bit easier and uh, a little more... Uh, more of a uh, calculated, uh, like, a known when you're going on a vacation. So I think, and they probably make a lot of things easier for people, basically. Sure. And it does. I mean, you know, talking about things that you forget that exist, like, it, it's so easy to forget, like, how vast the, uh, the travel category is. When you look at uh, Disney, you know, they've got their whole, I mean, obviously, they've got their cruise line, They've got, uh, you know, these hotels, but then they've also got like adventures by Disney, which are like full travel bookings. They've just got a lot of stuff going on for sure. So, I mean, it makes sense. Like it's, it's the, the ease of use, especially if you're planning a Disney vacation, you have like more options, right? (laughs) If you're, if you're like one of those people that work through adventures by Disney, it's just like more places you could go while still being under that umbrella. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for sure. I guess it also makes sense too from like a, you know, if you're a DVC member and you're bought into the uh, the timeshare aspect to Disney, uh, I know that these places are big DVC places as well. So maybe if you're kind of like, all right, well, we've gone to Disney World all the time and we've gone to Disneyland all the time and, you know, we've used our DVC points on all of that. We want just kind of like a getaway to South Carolina and uh and we really want to just kind of stay at a hotel that you know as a as is we know is good that we that we can use our DVC points on and uh and that isn't attached to kind of like a park it's it's totally separate from a park experience then yeah I, I guess that stuff is there it's just you know like I said outside of outside of you for the DVC side because I get that you've already spent that money so it's you're looking for ways to use those points it's just like man i I just would never i would never see my well and honestly even thinking of just the on-site hotels that i've been to uh you know i've been to a couple of the nicer ones admittedly like i have not stayed at the grand californian uh and i have not stayed at like the grand floridian or the really kind of like upper crust ones but, uh, you know, I, I don't know, like I'm just never in the mindset of, of, uh, yeah, like, you know, the hotel needs to be amazing or the hotel is where I'm spending a large portion of my time. I, I, I know that, you know, uh, people go to Disney world and they definitely spend resort time there. Like it's, it's a different kind of vacation than what kind of I'm used to anyway for a Disney vacation. But, you know, I don't. I don't know. Like Olani looks very good in terms of the, in terms of the quality of rooms, especially when you get into the higher level. Um, the other two, Vero Beach and uh, Hilton Head Island Resort, they look good. They look like a moderate kind of a hotel experience, and it's kind of like, again, like maybe if I'm in the area, then sure. But outside of that, like, it doesn't strike me as a destination. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm being very limited here, but I usually am like, if I'm not, 
if I'm staying at a Disney hotel, I'm like in the mindset of, all right, I'm, I'm staying here because it's close to a park and it maybe gives me some other options in terms of how I can better enjoy the theme park experience. Uh, the idea of going to a Disney hotel just to stay at a Disney hotel feels weird to me. Yeah, I think, uh, to me, I think, uh, you're not wrong on, on this. I think, uh, I think for me, the thought of staying at a, a resort outside that's not attached to a park, uh, is kind of weird, but I think again, it depends on your family situation, but then also I think it depends on the cost and your, level of familiarity with traveling see you are an avid traveler so when you get to a, a location and stuff you know that you usually have like a good sense of the ins and outs of what you're going to do you've planned ahead and probably know the things that you want to do and how to how to get that stuff done uh, but i think uh, one of those things that is you have to remember is that not everybody is like you. I think even I would probably have some issues like in certain <laughs> areas. Um, but then I think it also depends on why you're traveling too. So like uh, going generally, if I don't think uh, Alani for me wouldn't be like, I wouldn't necessarily be planning a trip to Alani. I think I would be planning a trip to Hawaii. And then right. I think in the consideration of making this trip to Hawaii, maybe depending on the cost of Alani, like if I was like comparing like different resorts and stuff, and maybe Alani was was a reasonable price compared to other ones that I was considering. Maybe I would probably stay at Alani just because it is like the cost is, um, is reasonable within that stuff. And then it's, it's got a known quality to it since it's a Disney, uh, destination. Uh, but, I, I don't think I would go out of my way for it unless they were doing something special there. Uh, but I think a lot of people when they're traveling abroad or traveling to an unfamiliar location, it would have that familiarity of being a Disney uh, property. Plus I imagine they, not to say that uh, other properties don't do the same thing. I imagine a lot of Hawaiian uh, resorts do the same thing, have a bunch of things for, for the tourists, have a, a lot of things for kids. Um, but I think what thing that Disney has going for it is that people, when they think of family, they're going to think of Disney. So it's going to be something that com comes up a little bit more, uh, in their minds. And, uh, I imagine they are going to have a really like, stacked uh a bunch of uh, events or at least uh activities that people can t easily take a advantage of uh again not taking that from other resorts but maybe uh disney is a bit a bit better at communicating that or at least they're a bit more uh in your face they definitely get more uh advertisement out there for their alani resort um, as far as the, uh, 
uh, going to other resorts like the one in uh, in Carolina, where uh, I would say that would just happen to. I think if I was in the area and they were again at a reasonable price compared to comparative to the other places, maybe I might just out of curiosity stay there, but I wouldn't go there with the intention that I want to stay here at this place. It'd be more of like, I just happen to be in this area and it was affordable, but, uh, mm. It yeah. sounded like that all makes I think sense. it sounded like the that that other the was it uh High Point or Vero Beach. Vero, Vero Beach. Uh that location sounded very reasonable. Uh at least <laughs> by California standards. Uh so yeah. um it may have been pricey compared to the area. I don't know the area. Uh but at least the cost was reasonable for, say, compared to going to uh, Disneyland and staying at one of those uh, hotels, even the, the, <laughs> yeah. the good neighbor hotels. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Not looking forward to that. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that all makes sense. I mean, it's... Uh, it's just one of those things. I mean, it's... it. Like I said, it's... it. And it might just be a thought process block <laughs> on my side. It's weird to think about like uh, there not being a larger thing attached to it. You know what I mean? Like that's that, that not being the, that there, that the hotel is the event as opposed to some other event that you're there for. And I don't know, maybe that's the case, but it's like, certainly if you're at a, if you're staying at a theme park, the, uh, or, you know, Disney world, Disneyland, the, the parks are the event, the thing that you're there for. Even like a Disney cruise, I get like you're there. It's part of the experience. There is like a, a Disney vibe going on. Um, there's all sorts of little like events going on. But yeah, I guess it's a more kind of like casual um, connection where it's kind of like, oh, you know, this is Disney. Cool. I can, you know, I know exactly what that is just from a brand perspective. Then maybe that makes sense and and is a little bit more uh, approachable in that sense, you know, it's not a, it's not a resort kind of theme park resort. So yeah, no, that makes sense. I think, uh, well, this is kind of something that I, while I haven't really considered necessarily staying at Alani or, or any other like non park orient, uh, connected resorts, I have considered, uh, a Disney cruise. Whereas I think the yeah. Disney cruise sounds like, like you said, it sounds a little more uh, appealing outside of like, because for me, I guess, you know, the other uh, things that I guess are in a cruise don't necessarily appeal to me uh, a lot other than, I guess, the eating portions. <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, it sounds like something like maybe with a um, a Disney cruise, they may have some other like uh, Disney oriented things that might appeal to me still, uh, while a normal cruise may not have those. And so it just seems like maybe the Disney cruise might have a little bit more uh, appealing 
a few more things that will appeal to me compared to a normal cruise. Uh, but, you know, because they have Disney properties and, and technically in Marvel and Star Wars properties uh, included in their their cruises and stuff. So uh, there's stuff to be right. considered with that. So, yep. Yeah, totally. I think I could I as well could see myself on a cruise before I uh, see myself visiting uh, their Vero Beach Resort. But you never know, man. You never know where life takes you, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, all right, Henry, do you feel like we're going to get a Disneyland announcement this week? I don't know. Um, it's interesting because uh, one of the things that I did read about is they have, uh, and I saw, I, I didn't really watch the commercial. I think I saw a little bit of it, but they're going to be running a commercial in Southern California, uh, basically a commercial for uh, Governor Newsom pleading that uh, we need uh, to open up Disneyland, basically, and the theme parks, uh, which is, 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 I think, a bit dirty <laughs> to get uh, to, sway, uh, to sway public opinion uh, in yeah. Disney's favor, say, uh, favor, but, uh, but, at this point, I I definitely want a word from the governor because they keep saying soon. Hey, soon was last week, uh, so <laughs> you know I, I I do want some kind of decision coming from the governor. I mean, I understand he's 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 looking out for our best interest, but I I definitely do want some kind of clarity from him. Uh, but, and I hate to say it, but this is definitely, this commercial is a way of kind of getting that, but it's, it. I still think it's kind of a dirty pool. Uh, but, um, but I, I don't, I don't think we will, unfortunately. Or no. Yeah. All right. Well. I'm a yes man. One of these weeks, I'm going to be correct. <laughs> he is 50-50 chance, man. 50-50 chance. Hey, man, you just keep rolling those dice eventually. <laughs> that dice is going to work in your favor. Yeah, but the same thing <laughs> could right. be said in Russian roulette. So, I mean. <laughs> Dark turn, Henry. Dark yeah, turn. Yeah, <laughs> well, you knew it was coming at some point, you know. <laughs> yeah, Henry was going to make things dark. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just about does it for today. Remember, you can remember you can catch the Great Park Hop each and every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, if you made it this far, you're hopefully enjoying the podcast. So don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review, and hit that like button. This has been episode 35 of The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you next week. Stay healthy, everybody. Henry, you take care, big guy. I'll talk to you next week. Take care, everybody. Bye.